Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the football podcast. Everybody's here and we're all talking football, which is pretty much what you'd want from a football podcast, I would imagine. That's right, it's football, 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 and uh, games gone, games to come, everything in between. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. And uh, the big one is share the podcast around. If you've got a football fan in your life, send this podcast their way. You never know, they might thank you for it. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are very welcome as uh, you're diving right in to your weekly dose of football-based nonsense from your favourite people right here at the CookieCast Podcast Network. For those of you enjoying this particular podcast on YouTube, you'll notice there are four smiling faces in front of you. Um, which for us in the last couple of weeks has been a bit of a uh, bit of a hard thing to uh, to accomplish. So we're uh, we're at full strength once again for the podcast. Myself, Mr. Cook, Mr. Wubbity, and Mr. Moore. How are we doing this week, gents? Good. Uh, uh, that'll obviously mean more as we go through the podcast. Uh, but obviously, we'll start. As we mean to go on with uh, week eleven, uh, sorry, week eleven, week fourteen's predictions, and we start down on the south coast, uh, where Plymouth Argyle took on my boys, Middlesbrough, in what turned out to be a bit of a goal fest. Actually, um, this one um, definitely one for the uh, for the neutral. Uh, I, w- I would say if you were if you were able to watch it, obviously it was a three o'clock Saturday kickoff, so you should have been able to watch it unless you were living in a different country other than England. Um, Middlesbrough took the lead in this one. Uh, the 23rd minute, um, Lucas Engel uh, got the ball on the left-hand side of the box, drilled the ball across for Josh Coburn to uh, lift it into the roof of the net just over the keeper. Um, it became 1-1 on 34, uh, 34th minute when uh, Barley Mumba uh, scored for Plymouth. The ball had been worked across from the right-hand side over to the left. Um, Barley Mumba was just left unmarked on the edge of the box to uh, drive in and then just smash the ball past Senny Dieng. It became 2-1 for Plymouth on the 38th minute when uh, Finn Azaz uh, scored. The ball was played from Mumba into Finn Azaz on the left-hand side. Um, very similar to the Exeter Cup game, uh, Morgan Rogers and Sammy Silvara's goals. Um Finnezaz cut uh, cut inside, drift past, drifted past one player, and then just bent one into the top corner. A beautiful, uh, a beautiful finish. One of those ones where um, even even as the uh, supporter of the team it was scored against, you kind of have to stand up and applaud that one. To be fair, it was uh, it was a hammer finish. Um, that's how it stayed until half time. Um, in the 60th minute, uh, Middlesbrough got the equaliser. Josh Coburn got his second of the game uh, when Hayden Hackney won a ball back. Um, just outside the box, um, the ball actually broke to Sam Greenwood, who was on the edge of the box. Um, 
he gummied to turn inside and just had his legs completely wiped out from underneath him. The ref gives the spot kick. Uh, Josh Cove actually missed the penalty, but it rebounded right into his path, so he could just stick it in for about one yard out to equalise. Four minutes later, they took the lead. Um, Isaiah Jones played a little ball into Matt Crooks down the right-hand side of the box. He cut it back um, to just outside the six-yard box where um, Sam Greenwood just guided it into the far left corner. Um, the uh, the scoring finished on the 77th minute when Plymouth got their equaliser. Um, when uh, Morgan Whitaker was over a free kick on the right-hand side, um, just one of those ones where he just floats it into the box, it completely misses everybody, uh, and then just eventually drifts into the corner of the net. Um, not the... Uh, not the best goal to concede from a from a borough perspective, but um, it is what it is, and uh, the uh, the game petered out to a, a very entertaining three three draw. Predictions wise, myself, Matt, and Andy had all gone for Middlesbrough away wins. Andy with two nil, Latte Laugh and Silvera. Matt and myself both had gone two one. Uh, I'd gone Rogers and Latte Laugh to score. For the Borough. Um, I've only got Matt written down for Hardy and Latte Lathia. I've just noticed. Hmm. I can't remember who my other prediction, who my other person was. And I threw that in the bin yesterday. Well, this is interesting. Um, as I've got Matt down for no points um, for this one. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll listen back to last week's podcast. Uh, and if you get any points, I'll bring it up at the start of next week's podcast. And we'll give you a little bonus point. How's about that? Like Sounds that. fair? Lovely. Um, I had gone for Rogers and Latte Laugh, but I had gone for Whitaker to score for Plymouth. So I do get a bonus point there for the goal scorer. Stu's the only one who gets a point for the result, as he'd gone for a 1 1 draw. Cundall uh, and Jones to score the goals. So no points for goal scorers, but does get a point for the result. So, a point for me, point for Stu, no points for Matt and Andy. Although, obviously, that might change based on what Matt said last week and I just decided to not record for some reason. Not right what, what a complete, what a complete tit. Um, our second game of the week um, was the Williams-Woodmansey derby of sorts uh, where West Bromwich Albion took on Hull City. Um, it, it sounded like Mrs. Williams's side of the family were more content with the outcome on this one, dare I say. Right. Um, so, thankfully for me, at the time, uh, I was surrounded by multiple metal bands of a very loud volume, so nobody could hear me swear. Um, it, was, it was fine. Anyway... More importantly, Hull were behind after 14 minutes. Now, you know how I have this thing about teams that have actually bothered to put the homework in and realise that we want to play out from the back, and if they want to get anywhere, they just push up the field. West Brom, clearly one of these teams, and uh, they decided that they were going to try and play out from the back. Keeper passed to Seri. Seri passed straight to Jed Wallace, who slotted it into the bottom right-hand corner to make it 1-0 to West Brom. Uh, to be fair to Hull, City did grow into the game. Um, Twine's cross was met at the back post by Louis Coyle for his third ever goal. 
um, just before half time. So it made it one all at the break. So a little, little bit to be uh, happy about at the, the half time period, anyway. Um, couldn't believe it was his third ever goal, considering that um, like how long he's been playing, and also it was with his feet, and it wasn't from a corner. Like, and he's yeah, okay, but still, it worked. Uh, but it was to kind of not really matter in the end because the second and third West Bromwich Albion goals both came from good work down Hull's left hand side. The left hand side of of our sort of play is becoming a bit of an issue at the moment so fingers crossed that that's been noticed and something happened in January um, but very 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 similar goal but the first one was Phillips on 65 minutes and then to take the points completely out of reach was Ajayi on 71 minutes and then it sort of petered out to now after that really 3-1 West Brom I said we'd lose we only have a win there when it's a promotion season and uh, clearly not going to be that. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. There's still a long, long, long bit of the season to go. It's not over yet. So that's all I have to say. Um, predictions wise, Andy, as ever, was Mr. Optimistic and had gone for a 1 0 Hull City win. Sadly, surprisingly, he didn't pick Coyle to score, given that it was his third career goal ever. Um, he had gone with the lap to score. Um, Matt and myself had gone for draws. I went. Uh, Matt went one-one. Thomas Asante and the lap to score. I'd gone two-two. Uh, Phillips and Thomas Asante to score. So I got. I got myself a bonus point for Phillips scoring at least. Um, I had got Philogene and the lap, so I was already behind the eight ball. As uh, I understand, Philogene was already out before the game even started. Correct, yeah. Injury in training. Um, there's been no news on it this week either, so I can't even really tell you if he's uh, if he's going to be fit for Saturday against Huddersfield, yeah. but we'll see. Fingers crossed it's not a long-term one. Um, Stu, however, did, like you said, did predict a West Bromwich Albion win. He'd gone for 2-0. Uh, Pippa, or Pepper, depending on how it's supposed to be pronounced, and Wallace to score. So gets us up a point for the result and a point for a goal scorer. So a point for me, two points for Stu after that one. Still Matt and Andy till to get off the mark. Uh, our third game of the week saw Andy's new charges of Wigan Athletic taking on Exeter City away from home. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, he will remain a Latix supporter for at least another week. Well done. Wigan as they run out as 2-0 winners in their FA Cup first round tie. Goals from Asgard and Sessegnon enough to see them into round two. Um, predictions wise, we had all gone for a Wigan win. So we all get a point. Sadly, no one predicted 2-0. So no one gets two points for the result. Myself, Stu and Matt had all gone for 2-1 wins. Um, Obviously, none of us got a goal scorer for Exeter. They didn't score. I had Humphreys and Wyke. Stu had Lang and Adiko. Matt had Wyke and Goddo. Um, Andy had 1-0 and McGinnis. So, no but no goal scorer bonus points. Just a point each for the result there. Our next game takes us to Sunday. And this was Nottingham Forest versus Aston Villa. 
Obviously, Aston Villa going into this one on uh, on quite a good run, and Forest were winless in six, something like that. Certainly five or six, yeah. I think it had been a bit. It's been a while since we tasted that sweet, sweet victory. Dare I say, coupon buster? Uh, yes, I would say yeah. If you've got them as a, as a on your coupon or you got your uh, your acker or something like that, I reckon most people probably would have gone for. A Villa win. However, um, <clears throat> yeah, Forest ran out two nil winners. Um, kind of well, well, from kind of the highlights and listening to the commentary on the radio. I think it's weird, isn't it? The way they played, the way they made it sound was like Forest dominated the game and really outplayed Villa, or Villa weren't particularly good. Mm-hmm. Yet the possession stats were twenty five percent to Forest. 75% to Villa, so I don't quite know how that worked out. But, uh, yeah, so Forrest opened the scoring five minutes in. Um, Ola Aina um, scoring quite a nice little nice finish from about 20, 25 yards out. Um, quite a quick move. Toffolo, um, God, shouldn't snigger really kind of thing, but um, Toffolo in the team. Uh, sorry, Newcastle. Um, Then the ball goes into the back of the net. From there, 
Uh, so yeah, quite a, a decent a decent win in a season of I think kind of from the stuff that I was listening to, people were like, oh, you know, if we would have beaten Luton and Burnley like we should have done, we'd have 17 points by now. We'd be right on the edge of Europe. Which, you know, yes, fair enough. You could look at it that way, but also we have 13 points, which is over double what we had this time last year. Um, so yeah, two 0 win. Mid, back to mid table. Uh, yeah, and quite happy. I was I was here when I was here when fans sort of like start getting a bit like above their sort of station sort of thing, and like you li- you're literally a new club into the division like by one season. Let's just let let's just establish yourself first. Let's not run before you can walk. Get a couple of seasons of Premier League football in you, then maybe think about making a push for the European places. Just you think, know, steady, steady on Leeds fans. I think I think the eternal problem is, and some and uh, yeah, some Forest fans do have a habit of being Leeds-ish at times. Is that the owner has this very kind of like I'm ambitious. You know, I've got Olympiacos who get into the Champions League in Europe every year, and I'm like, yeah, in the Greek league where, let's face it, it's the Scottish, it's like the Mediterranean version of the Scottish league. Um, and and, and I, you know, I think and there's part of it, there's this fear that Cooper's going to get sacked for not getting Forest high enough up the league. And I think then there's other parts of it is of like they they seem to think that they should be that they should be higher up. I think the 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 thing that needs to be added with that, and you know, yeah, we take the Mickey out of it. You know, Forrest did sign 14 players again this summer, and you've got to try and get them bedded into the team and get them um, kind of settled and learning the new way of of the of the team. And on top of that, um, when you're buying better quality players, they end up going on in international duty. So like last season. We didn't lose a whole many players on international duty. This time we've had like five, six, seven players out on international duty. So they don't bed into the squad as quickly because you don't have that time together. But you're starting to see the, like that kind of come to fruition, as it were. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, but li- listen, from a, from a prediction's perspective, great win. Gives them three more points on the board. Happy days. Predictions-wise, myself, Stu and Matt had all gone for, four, uh, for Aston Villa wins. Whoops, a daisy. Um, sadly, none of us had predicted Aina or Mangala as our Forest goal scorers either. So we get no points across the board there. Um, Andy, however, knew something was in the waters and had gone for a 2-1 Forest win. Sadly, again, didn't predict Mangala or Aina as his goal scorer. So just gets the one point for the result. Our last game of the week, again, we're back to Andy's boys. It was his Wigan Athletic taking on Peterborough United. And as stated before, he gets to be a Wigan fan for at least another week as they run out two one winners on this one. Um, the goals were scored by Goddo and McManaman rolling back the years. It's not Steve. Callum McManaman. Um, I honestly didn't even know he was still playing. Mm. Um, the goal for Peterborough was scored by Poku. Predictions-wise, 
Um, myself and Matt had gone for Peterborough wins. Um, sadly, we didn't predict any of the three goal scorers, so no points there. Stu had gone for a 1-1 draw. Humphreys and Kiprianu to score. No points there. But it's there again. Captain Optimistic sticking with his boys, backing them for a 1-0 win with Stones to get the goal. Um, sadly, he did not bag, but Wigan most certainly did, bagging Andy one point. So, for the week, um, Matt, just the one point from the five games, it may be more, we'll need to look into it. Even Easy. if it was... Even if it was, he'd still be finishing bottom with two points, as myself and Andy had three points from the five games. Taking the win, however, this week, Mr Woodmansey, four points from five games. Very well done, sir. Very, very well done. It's been a while. It certainly has. It certainly has. We move to week 15's predictions. Five games in the slot again, I believe. I will double-check. Uh, yes, indeed. Five games. First of which sees Hull City taking on Huddersfield Town in a Yorkshire derby. Uh, obviously, it's Mr. Woodmansey's team. He will give his prediction last. I'll jump in here. I've gone for a standard 2-0 Hull City win. Twine and Syed Manesh to get the goals. Matt, what have you got for this one? I've gone for a bigger near 3-1 Hull win. Delap, Connolly, and Slater. Okay, must remember to write all three of those names down. Three names to write down. Delap, Connolly, Slater, and your Huddersfield goes for Helic. Helic. Andrew? Clean, simple, 1 0 win. I believe the man that on my screen that is sat in the middle of you two would snap your hand off for that at the moment. Your goal scorer? Delap. Keeping it clean with a dilapidator. Go on then. Give us the lowdown on the Tigers. I have I have a feeling this is going to be a typical Yorkshire derby. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be scrappy, but therefore, I don't think either team can go 90 minutes without conceding at the moment. I've gone for a 2-1 Hull win. I've gone for Delap because I think he likes a bit of a scrap in the box, so we'll find out if that uh, prediction comes true. But also as well, I've gone for Christie, just because he does occasionally score. He seems the sort of guy who's a bit of a unit and likes to have a whack at it from sort of edge of the box, so that might be uh, something to look at as well. And then uh, Wiles for Huddersfield. All I'll say to you is um, Borough coming up in a few weeks. Old boy rule. Just keep that in mind. Uh, Hull City game, done and dusted. Our next game sees Middlesbrough take on Leicester City. It's obviously my boys, so I will go last with this one. Um, let's go to Andy for his prediction on this one first. What have you got? Borough Leicester was that. Middlesbrough versus Leicester City, my friend. Absolutely. That's what I thought. 
Um, I've got 2-1 to the Borough. Ooh, interesting. Goal scorers? Uh, Latte Laugh and Silvera. Hoping both are fit and well for the Borough. Leicester? Vardy. Party time. Will his missus be there? Who knows? She might stay. Um, Stu, what have you got for this one? Uh, unfortunately for you, Paul, I have got uh, nil two. Not even giving him a goal. Andy's in the room no. virtually. No. Your goal scorers? Uh, I've got Dewsbury Hall, because I figured that would fit nicely into the small space you'll have to write goal scorers. And not to foreshadow anything, but I definitely know how to spell that because it might already be in my book. Um, <laughs> Matt? I've also unfortunately gone for a Leicester win, but 2-1. And I bet you feel filthy putting it down, don't you? I know, but I like to get some points as well. Uh, well Greenwood for your good self. Yeah. And Ian Acho. And McAteer. You shouldn't have felt sorry, boys, as I also have gone for a 2-1 Leicester City win. I've gone for Coburn and a mixture of both there. Uh, I've gone for Mavadidi and Ian Nacho to score for Leicester. Uh, even though they've just been, they've just lost their unbeaten run by losing to Leeds on Friday night, I think they're uh, probably going to have their tails up a bit. That's, if anything, that's probably the worst sort of result we could have had. Them losing all this, all this pomp and circumstance about them losing one 0 at home to Leeds. Everybody forgets that the team that beat them one 0 at home before that was Hull City. So. <laughs> Our next game, we're back to Andy's boys, Wigan. They're away at Cheltenham Town. However, we are just going to step away momentarily just to really recompose ourselves and really think about how many Wigan goal scorers we can name each, I dare say. No, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back to give you Cheltenham versus Wigan. Recording in progress. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. As we said, before we had to step away momentarily, our next game... <laughs> Cheltenham Town versus Wigan Athletic. It's obviously Mr Cook's gents that he will give his prediction last. Matt, what have you got down for Cheltenham versus Wigan? I've gone for Cheltenham... Oh, no, no, Cheltenham. Whoa, 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 whoa. A Wigan... 2-1 win. Uh, good win to score for Cheltenham. Humphreys and Asgard for Wigan. Humphreys and Asgard. I've gone for a 3-0 Wigan win. Over Asgard, Humphreys and Jones. Take the goals for Wigan. Stu, what have you got for this one? Uh, seemingly covering an extra base again. I have gone for Cheltenham 1, Wigan 1, with good win for Cheltenham. 
and a decor for Wigan. Okay. Colin, uh, Colin Mr Cook, how are your boys going to get on for you this week? Not well. They're going to get beaten 1-0 by Cheltenham. Uh, with with Goodwin scoring that there goal. Well, let's bloody hope that if they do win one, it's not a Goodwin goal, because uh, if, if it is, I'm completely shit out on that one. Um, our second to last game of the week sees West Ham United taking on Nottingham Forest. Obviously, Mr Moore's team, so he will go in last. I've gone for a standard... 2-2 draw this one. West Ham will be coming off the back of Thursday night European action, so I might be a little bit tired, a little bit jaded, so to speak. So I think uh, Forrest might be able to take advantage there. 2-2 draw. Going for Bowen and old boy rule Antonio to score for West Ham. A one-ye and Gibbs-White to go to score for Nottingham Forest. Andy, what have you got for West Ham versus Forest? Got a 1-2. Interesting. Goal scorers, please. Uh, for West Ham, I've got Antonio. Sensible. And uh, I've I've tried to pick people who are fit and healthy for Forest by going with Awanyi. Yeah. And Alanga. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, Stu. Uh, just rewind it 30 seconds or so take your prediction and just knock off the Gibbs-White element of it unfortunately for Matt I've got West Ham 2, Forest 1 I've got Bowen and Antonio for West Ham and a 1-ye for Forest Interesting. Go on then Matt let us know how you think it's going to go I've also gone for a West Ham 2-1 win. We never win at West Ham. We got absolutely stuffed there last season. And uh, I just can't remember winning at West Ham. And obviously, we've not been in the Premier League for 25 years. But even in like cup games, I remember, like you think, oh, God, we've got West Ham, there's no way we're going to win. And even 25 years ago when we played against West Ham, um, I can remember not... Like, not winning against... It, it, there's never a time when I think, oh, we're playing West Ham this week. We're going to win. Because we yeah. don't. I don't know why. They're a horrible club with horrible players, generally. And just... It, they've always been just one of them shitty clubs. They kind of, like, snuck under the radar against Wimbledon. Like, Wimbledon got all the shit. But actually, West Ham were kind of... not They're, like, not as bad as Millwall, but kind of not as kind of fancy as the other teams. They've just been... A horrible club for years. I, 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 it's one of those ones where they come up and you think, oh, bloody West Ham, and they, yeah, they're always like, oh yeah, England, we, you know, we won the World Cup, you know. Um, so yeah, Antonio and Bowen for West Ham, and Gibbs White for Forest. I think when when I was looking at that fixture particularly, it was more on the back of they haven't really had a good Premier League result for a while. Yeah, they've they've had a win in the cup against Arsenal, and obviously they've got their European escapades in hand. But they like they, they seem to be that team that hang on, and they haven't picked up any league points for a little while now. So they'll be, I think, they'll be clamouring for that a little more than 
than usual. The pressure's on. The pressure's on Moyes, and generally, when the pressure's on Moyes, they all they seem to win. So, yeah. Not a lovely stadium for baseball, though. Oh yeah, and athletics. Ah, <laughs> oh, dearly, dearly me. Totally legitimate the way they got that that stadium as well. Yeah, they paid they paid loads of money, loads and loads of money for it. Yeah, perfectly legitimate. The uh, the tax paid in foot the bill for that one to us to the tune of a single penny, did we? So uh, yeah. slags. Uh, our final game of the week is an EFL trophy game, which sees Tranmere Rovers of League Two take on Wigan Athletic of League One, and of course, Mister Andrew Cook's heart. Uh, obviously, it's his boys, therefore he will have the honour and the privilege of giving the last prediction of the week. Um, I've gone for a 2-1 Wigan win. Jennings to score for Tranmere. Lang and Wyke to score for Wigan. Stu, what have you got here? Um, I have got Tranmere nil, Wigan 1 uh, with Asgard. Matt? I've also gone for a 2-1 Wigan win. Jennings for Tramir and Godo and McGuinness for Wigan. Lovely. Mr Cook, as always, to finish us off. I resemble that statement. Uh, again, I've got uh, I've got Wigan down to lose by 1-0. Uh, Saunders to score for Tranmere Rovers. There you have it. Your week 15 predictions done and dusted in the bag. Mr. Wubberty, do you have any um, odds for this week for uh, wins, draws, losses, as it were? Do you know what? I, I hadn't got round to that, but I can uh, I can certainly have a little look whilst we are chatting we'll, uh, football-related nonsense. We'll sort it between us. Um, you do the you do the you do the home, well you do the our team wins and I'll do the uh, I'll do the losses. Okay. Yep. No worries. Um. But yeah, last week on the podcast mentioned that I was getting to go on a stadium tour. At the uh, at the MKM, which uh, happened last Thursday morning, um, is again good gesture by the club. Something that they put on for free during the school holidays, and yeah, just like just a a nice thing to do for the fans. Um, we we got there for about ten o'clock in the well, just before ten o'clock in the morning. Um, two members of staff greeted us. Weirdly, one of the two members of staff was somebody who used to work there when I worked there many, many moons ago. Um, so that was that was interesting. Started off in West Stand reception, and predominantly stayed in the West Stand. There wasn't because, well, to be fair, there's not much more to see in the uh, in the others. But um, had a little look in the uh, the corporate boxes and the boardroom and uh, like all the the. You know the restauranty bit, and went out onto the balcony for where like the posh people get to sit with their prawn sandwiches and the uh, 
corporate hospitality area, got a chance for some photographs and whatnot. But I mean, let's be fair, no nobody goes to a stadium tour to to see the restaurant, do they? Everybody goes to see the inner workings. Um you you wanna get down to the nitty gritty of stuff. So yep, we went down in as the gent described it, into the bowels of the uh, stadium. And started off in the away dressing room. Now Hull, the, the stadium's got three dressing rooms. Uh, the biggest one is the Hull City Home dressing room. There is a, a smaller one for Hull FC because um, rugby league is an inferior sport. And there's uh, a, an even smaller one for the away teams. Obviously, the away teams is just away teams in general. Um, with a few interesting design features, which I wasn't aware of, um, Having been in there in a, in a former life, again, hadn't really even clocked on it because we weren't in there for very long. Um, but it's purposely designed so that half of the team have to get ready at one side and half of the team have to get ready at the other. And the wall sticks out. So you can't see it. If you're all sat on the bench getting ready, you can't see the other half of your team at all. So to, to disrupt... To, to kind of break up that team mentality. It's also grey. Just a really dull grey. There's nothing exciting about it. Um, it's there purposely to just be boring, really. Um, but that wasn't the best bit, right? So we go on week in, week out about all these different players who we come across who we think are, are shit housing, whatever. Well... Let me tell you, the people who designed the MKM Stadium, or KC Stadium as was, the, the shithousery does not begin and end on the pitch. The shithousery starts in the architectural design of the away changing room by the division thing. Also, the showers are... <laughs> the flooring of the showers is designed in such a way that water runs out onto the floor in the away dressing room. So if, if there are players who have their kit on the floor close to, close to the entrance of the shower, their stuff is getting wet. And the guy on the tour told us a cracking story about um, one Mr. Uh, Wayne Rooney who happened to be getting changed at some point next to the, um, the entrance to the shower and had a very expensive suit that got wet. I mean, you can only assume it's a tracksuit at this point, can't you? Or I, I don't know why he'd take his court appearance once to a football game. Um, but, yeah, that he actually sent Hull City a bill for the suit that got uh, ruined, ruined by water, because apparently that's a thing. Uh, suffice to say, Hull didn't pay it, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But I, I just loved it, just... He also threw in the guy, the, the tour guide, because he's um, he's worked there for a long time. He has, he does have a, um, for want of a better expression, a proper job within the football club. Um, that he's been lucky enough to visit other football grounds during his time, and one of the grounds that came up in question uh, was the Riverside. Interesting. And he noted whilst he was telling us about these lovely grey tiles in the away changing rooms that Middlesbrough had uh, somebody, like a, a consultant in during the uh, revamping of the uh, away dressing rooms there and it's tiled floor to ceiling 
with a patterned tile which is specifically designed to make people feel slightly nauseous. Interesting. So it's not it's not just my team that do the away team shit housing. There's a so, middle, there's a separate element to this as well. So obviously this this came up in I can't remember what year it was. I think it was maybe 2017 or something like that. And there was apparently you might, you might remember this when Norwich had tried um, the sort of the, a bit of reverse psychology with this, where they painted the away the away dressing room pink. Um, and the first team that turned up for that particular season was Leeds, who subsequently beat them 3 <laughs> I believe uh, I believe after that they just were like, oh, it's obviously made no difference, so just painted it a different colour, and then obviously they went on to win the league. So, yeah, I think it's it's one of those ones where, like, there, there was there was all sorts of stuff like back in the day. UA UA stories of when uh, so the big the biggest team that would do the sort of the the old shithouse tactics was obviously Wimbledon um, back when they just come into the league and obviously they had the they had the old crazy gang moniker and all that sort of stuff. And apparently, one of the things that they would do is they would leave. Obviously, if it was if it was the middle of the summer, they'd crank the heating up as high as it possibly could go, close all the windows, and pretty much like glue them shut so they couldn't be opened. If it was the winter, they'd turn the heating off. And open all the windows so it was it was, it was freezing cold. They would um, intentionally run all the hot water out so they had no hot water to shower. Um, they would give them um, a big tea urn, um, but they'd put absolutely loads of sugar in the tea. So obviously they'd have the initial sort of fifteen minutes of being really sort of jumped up as a bat, and then they just crash. The sugar high and stuff like that. All That's another thing actually that the guy said. The guy said once when they'd been away at Plymouth, um, they found that the, they'd put salt in the tea so that the players were dehydrated. Bloody hell. But you think, the thing with that is, you'd taste that straight away so you wouldn't keep drinking it. Whereas with sugar, you'd kind yeah. of just keep drinking it, wouldn't you? Because you're just like, oh, it's a yeah. bit sweet, but at least it's sweet tea. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, like I, I believe, like, You'd call it the dark arts nowadays and stuff like that, but it's it's interesting but to see. The best is with some of these things are they are sports psychology things. So those people have had parents who paid a student loan, a student uh, <laughs> tuition fees. Not saying that my parents might have paid for a student uh, a sports science degree at all. That could get involved in this nonsense. <laughs> So someone not only has managed to get his pa- their, their parents to pay for them to go to university, they've then managed to rinse somebody else to pay them to do some nonsense in their in their uh, in their club as well, which is absolutely amazing. It, it is pretty funny. Um, yeah. Just to just to go back just briefly, I've got the uh, I've got the odds for the three different um, outcomes. So if all of our teams were to win. This weekend, so a treble on Middlesbrough Hall at Burton Forest, seventeen to one or seventeen point two one to one. The uh, away teams or the or the teams are playing against sorry all to win. Leicester, Huddersfield, and West Ham is eighteen point five nine to one. The draw forty four point two nine to one. So obviously, as per usual, the draw the uh, the one to be on. Uh, there, if you're uh, looking to make a little bit of money, but probably the least likely of the outcomes. Ironically, strange enough, the uh, 
Middlesbrough Hull and Forest all to win seems to be the um, the, the 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 best bet as that's the one with the lowest odds. There's not much difference between us all to win and us all to lose though either, is there? Which is uh, no, that is true. It's very very close. But also, that also makes me think though that why is the draw odds so high? Because yeah. if there if it's a toss up between one or the other, I suppose it's the chances of all three happening at once. I guess is the answer to that. But uh, yeah, I mean. The West Ham Forest draw is the best part of three to one on its own. Mm. So um, it's just it's just your multipliers in it when you when you put your uh, your odds together as a well. part. Mm. They are they. Um, but yeah, uh, there was there was one more one more thing actually, which was a bit of a, a funnier story rather than just general uh, dark arts as we were discussing. Mm. So when we moved into the home changing rooms, they had like a few shirts up and stuff for the aesthetics. Uh, did note that they used the Carabao Cup shirts and one of the tour guides remarked that that's the most use they've had all season uh, was being hung on the wall for the, uh, the stadium tours this half, uh, this half term. Um, but one of the tour guides, uh, Brendan, told us a story about um, a footballer which you guys will definitely know, Mr JJ Akocha, during his time at Hull. Um, Phil Brown was the manager at the time and set back in the changing rooms like in the in the middle of the change rooms at the back was two individual baths, and apparently Phil Brown used to insist that the players had have an ice bath after every game because of you know science, and um, JJ Akocha, uh outright refused to have an ice bath. Uh, apparently Phil Brown had introduced a fine for anybody to going against this. Anybody that didn't have an ice bath after the end of each game was fined two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, subsequently, every single home game, JJ Kotcher would finish, go into the shower, get himself dried, suit it up, count out the two fifty in fifty pound notes, and just leave that on top of his dirty kit <laughs> <laughs> and drive off in his Hummer. <laughs> was the now that that is the way to pay your fines. You just basically, if you if you just know exactly what you're going to get fined for, just pay it up front. Just get just get it over and done with. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Just see him going in on the Friday and going, can I have my £250, please, in crisp £50 notes? Because I need it for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another, another week of, uh, of football ins and outs brought to you by the fine folk here at the Cookie Cast Podcast Network. Join us again next week where we'll all do it again. Thank you to these three gents for joining me once again to uh, give you the ins and outs of their teams, along with me giving you the ins and outs of my team. And like I say, join us again in about a week's time where we'll break it all down and we'll do it all over again for you. Until then, stay safe, everybody. And we'll catch you later on. Bye. So there you go, what do you think of that? Another week of games gone, another week of games to look forward to. Big thank you for watching, big thank you for listening. If I can ask you to do one or a few small jobs before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. Share the podcast around is the big one. Get it out, get it out there, get it in the hands of the football fans. Um, check out the website, it's thecookiecast.com. There you'll find social media links and an email button. That way you can get in touch with us. That is it for this one. Join us next week 
and we'll be talking more football. But until then, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.